You ready? So here goes the offering. Ready or not. So I have, um, don't give very many, often, many opportunities to teach or preach or share or whatever. Um, so I'll just squeeze it in there. Um, so excited to do that. So I got, it's a new year. So I got a couple of serious matters here I want to ask you. What do you call someone who hangs out with musicians? A drummer. Sorry. So I got a couple of cheesy ones just to warm you up, right? How, how do you get a guitar player to play soft, softer? How do, you, how do you get a guitar player to play softer? Get in sheet music. How many lead guitars does it take to change a light bulb? None. They just steal somebody else's light. All right, here, John, this one's for you. Why do violinists put a cloth between their chin and their instrument? Anybody know? Violins don't have a spit valve. These are good, you know. One more, one more. Let's, uh, let's get this last one. Okay, here, here's another one for John. What's the difference between a violin and a viola? There is no difference. The violin just looks smaller because the violinist's head is so much bigger. I love you, John. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. No. no, yeah, so another serious matter. I got a video to show you. Another serious information that you need to know. Here we go. Turn it up a little bit. Turn it up. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know, anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? (laughs) Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to. I need to get some momentum. Totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us. Feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. We've got a lot of different hand raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're my church, music is rocking. Start slow. Hands in the pockets, a little elbow flap. You're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. 
Double heartburn, right back to go post. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. You're set. So do you go to a hand-raising church? I think so. I'll do the high five for Jesus. Seriously, though, sometimes we take ourselves too serious. I mean, for real. Um, you know, the Bible thing is Paul. Somebody said that, you know, we were like peculiar people. We really are. We got funny things, but it's all right, right? Is it okay to be funny? Is it safe? Is it safe to be you? Good. Because it is safe to be you. Especially in this church and really in Jesus' church. Jesus desires you to be safe, to be you. And I'll do the window washing for Jesus. I'll do it. I'll give the big TV. You know, I'll do it. I don't care. Jesus is awesome. And it's an expression of love, right? With this whole movement, you know, the Greek mentality is, you know, you're, you're, you're all tied together. Your mind, your spirit, your body. Everything is tied. And the Greek mentality wants to separate it. Your body's over here. Your mind's over there. It doesn't affect each other. You're what, how you think doesn't affect your physical body. That's the Greek, Greek mentality, which I, I, don't, I don't agree with at all. I believe with whatever you believe affects your body. Just like if you have a bunch of unforgiveness, that's really going to affect you in your physical life. If you have a bunch of bitterness, it's going to well up, cause rot. There's a proverb in that, like, cause rot to the bones, I think is what it is. It affects you, the mentality. So it's like in, in worship, you know, who, you know, I'm a worship leader here, so, who, you know, I'm going to talk about worship. So, you know, you know, the freedom that we have that you can step into when we do the window washing for Jesus, you know, like it's like it's a releasing of something in the atmosphere. It's a releasing of something in yourself and your body, your mind, your spirit, as well as affecting the people around you, as well as doing it together, affect the city together just by worshiping, being free in worship. So, um... We're going to, we started a 21-day fast. How's it going so far? Happy days. We're here again. So, like, seriously, we started amazing opportunities. You know, quote um, something Pastor Doug said last week was, it's not what you give up, right? It's what you get. That's the focus. It's not, oh, I'm giving up my cereal for Jesus or whatever you're going to have, or your Twinkies or... Or my Facebook, or, you know, yes, you are, awesome. But what do you get out of that? That's the focus. All the extra time with the Lord, all the extra tenderness. Because, you know, when you get weak in your body, things get tender, right? Again, what you do to your body affects your spirit as well. If you feed yourself junk, it's going to affect your spirit. You know, if you eat good, it's going to affect your spirit. So, like, when you have... You know, you're eating good stuff, and you're having, you want to press in, you don't have to worry about the tummy rumbling, the pains, you know. You're, you can kneel before Jesus, not be embarrassed, if you know what I mean. Um, 
So yeah, 21 Day Fast, I'm so excited to start this. It's one of those, yes, you do long, the flesh longs for the Lord, right? But for food, you, you fight that battle for food, but it's the things of the Lord that are so much more valuable. And the question I feel like the Lord is putting before us all, how much, you know, have, to have a tender heart before the Lord, what's that worth to you? How much is that worth? How much of your time? How much food? How much of entertainment? And now we're not saying these are sin. It's not shame like you go watch a movie. Jesus is not like mad at you for watching a movie. You know, seriously. He likes for us to have fun. You know, seriously. But I'm talking about the tender heart, the things that affect the heart. Jesus, you know, went to the cross and died his death for what for relationship and for life and life to the fullness of what he did so he's put this like a million dollar check in front of each one of us say here's a million dollar check it's signed it's ready for you all you have to do is cash it it's all you have to do is cash it so this is what that means in your everyday life cashing it is stepping into the life the joy the abundance the forgiveness the peace that's available through him, it's available right there. All you got to do is cash it. It's, it's signed. If that, your, your step. You just got to say, take it and cash it. It's yours for the taking. Just cash it. And so we, we walk through this fast again. It's not what you give up. It's what you receive. There's so many hidden gold, hidden nuggets and treasures. It's available for us every day, with or without a fast. You know, but that fasting, that letting go of those things that we so, in American culture, we're so surrounded by so many things that satisfy our flesh so quickly, so instantaneously. I can go, whatever, watch some TV, go put on some Duck Dynasty and be happy or, you know, whatever. It's just like the things that, yeah, we'd love to have fun and do that. It's great. There's nothing shameful about it. But the things that we are going to satisfy our hearts, the longings that we really do have. We're just covering it up. You know, we can, we can look at an alcoholic and say, oh, he's, he's just drowning his sorrows away. Probably true, but what are we doing? We drown our sorrows away by food, by movies, by whatever, right? We're just trying to cover it up with other things. And the Lord's like, I am your Savior. I am your healer. I want to touch that tender, painful place to bring healing if you just let me. You just take the time with me. Just listen to my voice, the voice of the bridegroom God that has life and life to the fullness available. So I feel like some of that, this fast, can do with dealing with those fears. I'm afraid to go to God about this. Is there fear in your life of going to God about something? your past or your present, fears about the future. And Jesus is knocking to our, with his like, ravishing, passionate heart, with his axe, want to take it to the root and hack it up. See, I am not going to have this in my way. I am not going to let love be hindered in your life. He wants that so badly. He wants it so bad. That's why he went to the cross. For the joy set before him. He endured 
for the joy of life that would be available for us all. It's here and available. And there's so much more personally. I, you know, I sing in the worship when I lead songs, and I mean it. The life that's available that I want to step into and I want to live out, that I know I'm selling short. I'm selling myself short. By decisions I make, choices I make, things I don't really allow Jesus to work on in me. I try to hinder her. I try to make excuses. I defend myself. when He's really my defender. I want that life, life of fullness, because he's, he's passionate about it. He's longing, desiring, with this beating of his heart. There's life, life for you. There's joy for you. There's peace. There's hope. Let go of those things that you get easily entangled of. The things that so suck you down and like of family matters or of guilt trips or this or that or fear of like failing. Let go of that. Just come to me. That's the beauty of it actually. It's so simple that we get so bound in fear because we don't know. I don't know about you but I don't really want a God that I can fully figure out. You know what I mean? If I can fully figure him out, is he really holy? Is he really greater? Is he really bigger than my problems? Is he really all that stuff? He's a God that, you know, the word holy, St. Francis of, um, yes, you know, he talked about holy, defining holy as other than. You know, when we take the elders fall around the throne in Revelations and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of mine. What are they saying? Like, wow, you just blew my box away again. My box, I thought I understood you. You just blew it out of the water again. You are just other than anything I could comprehend and understand. You're just bigger and greater and better and awesomer and nicer and sweeter and more bold and more courageous than your leadership is just beyond. You're bigger. You're other than. You're so other than God. You're the other than God. You're the holy one. He is the other than one for us today, this moment, tomorrow, for a five-year plan that we have. He's other than. He's bigger and greater. But the amazing thing is, too, he says, is the matter of kings to search me out. He says, come on in. Search me out. Come come know me better, man. As it says in um, the Scrooge, the movie Scrooge, the, you all seen the Christmas Carol of Scrooge. There's one with um, you know, the, the second angel, second spirit, where he's the big Santa Claus Christmas. You know, he's Father Christmas, whatever he is. And he's got the big wine. And he says, is it, the glory's all brighting. He's got the big banquety table. And he's you know, asking Scrooge to come in. He said, come, come, know me better, man. Come know me. And it wasn't that knowing of just like, it's just talk or like I can hear about you. He's like, come experience me, what I really am. You know, this is Christmas, what it really is all about, who I really am. That's what Jesus, I just feel like every time I watch that movie, I see that part. Jesus says, come know me better, man. Come know me. Come and know me. It was like an Isaiah. I think it was, it was like, um. There's a song Jason Upton talks sings about. And it's, uh, oh, I just, that, just left my mind. It'll come back later, you know. Um, but yeah, come know me better, man. 
Jesus is drawing you. Yes, he entices us, I feel like, sometimes. He's like, yes, there's, there's a piece of me. Yes, that's only a piece, though. Come search me out because you can know more. Not just a knowing of your head, either. It's knowing experience, experiential knowledge. And we can know him. Because, you know, like I said, the, the, the Hebrew mentality is not just with our head, yes? It starts with our head or starts with one aspect, I feel like. He can come in through the body and then all of a sudden we get it later. I don't know about you. You know, some of this raising our hands things, you know, in the church can be weird. But I think God's way more weirder than that. I think Christianity can be way more weirder than that. You know what I mean? I mean, seriously, you go to different cultures just by themselves. To our American culture, that's extremely weird. You know what I mean? That's just, just like a culture thing. And there's a God, there's a God of this kingdom that we are you know, trying to figure out, get used to this Jesus culture kind of deal, the culture of the kingdom. He's going to blow it out of the water. He's other than this weirdness. So when we you know, raise our hands, is that weird? You know, is that, you know, you know cool, it's weird. Yeah, we, we raise our hands with the sky, we do little wash the window thing or whatever. And it's like, man, that's awesome. And then there's a whole thing about, you know, when it's like getting your finger put in the outlet when you get shocked. It's like you get shocked by the Holy Spirit. God shakes you up in the flesh. He's other than. He is other than. It's amazing. The things that he wants to do, can do, will do. He's one minute a gentleman, one minute a courageous lion just coming in like a roaring leader. like, this is what's going to happen. He's God. And he's, he's amazing. He's a God of principle, but yet he's a God of relationship. At the same time. The wonder of the tension. I did not even mean to talk about this at all. But it is the wonder, the mystery of the tension. There's a tension between the God that says, you know, plan, get your five-year plan in order. And then he says, two weeks later, okay, give it all away. All that savings, that money you've been saving, just give it away. I want you to give it away to so-and-so or this ministry or whatever. He's that God that he is, yes, the principles are him. But yes, also he does live it out in relationship. That we can do both. It's all in him. Jesus is so much bigger than other than. Um, so in Psalms 22, verse 3, it says, You are holy. You who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. I love what it talks about right there is the... As enthroning, he was enthroned in the praises. Isn't that cool? Okay, let's think about that. You know, we did this morning in worship. When we're singing out Jesus, we're focusing on Jesus. We enthrone him. There's a connection. In this place, you know, Jesus talked about and taught the disciples. We know this, right? I don't know how many times he, every Christian, even non-Christians know the Lord's Prayer almost. Right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth. As Jesus was telling his disciples, the disciples were asking, and Jesus was telling them, this is how you should pray. Go in the secret, build these things, and also you pray. 
go and pray this. So he's talking about, he wasn't just talking about in the moment before the crucifixion. He's talking about a lifestyle, right? Yes, before the crucifixion, yes, before the new covenant and after the covenant. He says, go and pray. Let it come. Let it come. What is he talking about? There's so many implications in what he's talking about in this prayer. He's first of all saying, you will have the authority. You will have the authority to call heaven down. Do you know the authority you have in the believer? In Ephesians, I'll jump down here. In Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 19, I'm just going to pray. This is Paul the Apostle praying. This is the Apostle Paul, okay? Remember who this guy is. Paul the Apostle, who was the great persecutor of the Christians, right? He was the great persecutor. And this is after Jesus, right? Jesus had been died and crucified, raised dead. And this is the church that's been going on, right? So he prays to the, the church of Ephesus. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith of the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease the giving thanks for you. While making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the Father of glory, he's asking, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I'm going to stop there and say, man, there's a continuing asking, right? There's a continual granting, giving. That God gives. Paul is asking to the church. He's telling the church. He's going to, he wants to give you more. He's praying. I'm going to give you. Yes. You have gotten so much through the crucifixion on the cross. But he's also praying now. He's praying for the church. That they've already gotten the crucifixion. They're already Christians. He's saying I'm going to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. There's a more of giving. There's a more of asking. There's a more of receiving. that's happening. Where was it? Okay. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Hello, he's a God about the heart. Right? He's not just, you know, I just want you to have the outward appearance of goodness. I want that from the inside out to come forth. It's so good. And that you may know the hope of his calling, of Jesus. That we can know this. We have hope because Jesus is the leader. He's a good leader. He's a good shepherd. So that's why we have hope. There's hope alive. He's the living hope, right? Because of him. Because of what he did. He's the one that's worthy to open the scroll in Revelation. Nobody else was worthy, but he is. So we have hope that this is the man that came and did it. So that, what are the riches of the inheritance in the saints? That we are his prize. Just take that in. Close your eyes. Say, Jesus, I love being your prize. I'm your prize. I am yours. I am your inheritance, Jesus. There's nothing like that. If you're having a bad day, just remember that. I am his prize. He's my hope. I was purchased. He loves me. He's excited about opening his presence. He loves us. Paul's praying for us that we would know this. And what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of the power towards us who believe? That's the part I really want to get to. 
because you can really unpack that whole bit there. It's awesome. But um, the surpassing greatness of the power towards those who believe. I don't know about you. Are you a believer? Do you know the surpassing power that's available to you? Do you know it? I'm saying I don't fully know it. I haven't lived. I've fallen short because I don't step out. I don't live it out. It's available to me. Right? That we can know the surpassing greatness. The surpassing greatness of the power that's available towards us when we believe. So back to Psalms 22. When we enthrone, we can enthrone Jesus in the praises of his, of his people. When we praise, when we worship, when we sing out songs, when we pray, that we can enthrone him in situations. Just like Jesus taught his disciples to pray. On earth, let it come. Let the kingdom come right now in this place. We just declare the kingdom of God to come right now. We're not begging, God, please bring the kingdom here now. We just need it. Just, yes, let it come. I'll thank you that I'm your son. The authority is available for me. And I can call down heaven right now. All this uh, sickness must go because it's not here. It's not in heaven, right? So, like, we call it heaven to come down and the bodies, the minds, the mentalities, the emotions all set right. That heaven can come down now. That we can know we can live out this authority. We can live out this the sonship, this family. That I'm his son. He delights in me. I'm his inheritance. And so when we go live out day by day and we sing songs, I love it. There's just this connection with music and the enthronement. There's some kind of cool thing a God did with music. I don't know about you. But, you know, when you listen to the pop radio, that one song gets stuck in your head. You're singing... I don't know. I don't listen to pop music anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> you, know you know, but I do. I listen to a lot of stuff, a lot of worship stuff. And so that one chorus gets stuck in your head. Can't get enough, can't get enough. You know that one song? And so, like, seriously, that, you know, we're talking about meditation on the Word. You really want to, like, meditate on the Word. Put a cool melody to it. Get that hook. And you're sitting there singing it all day, love, I can't get enough, can't, you know, like you're singing it, it's in your head, you're meditating on what that means, what am, I t- what am I singing about, you know, like, it really is, so start meditating on the power of that, the hook, Jesus did this cool thing about the hook in songs, a hook with melodies, with choruses, that you get stuck in your head, stuck in your spirit, so, so to speak, you're like meditating on this word all day long, and it talks about incense risings from the coming up of the sun, the setting of the sun, you know, it's like, seriously, there's something with music that makes prayer enjoyable, but there's not something separate between worship and music. You know, we're not going to do our worship thing, and now we're going to do our prayer thing. It's not, you know, it's the same thing, right? Worship and prayers, when you pray out audibly, it's the same thing, worship, you know, so we do that with music, man. I feel like there's this unlocking in the spirit of, like, the melodies of God's heart. Like, Jesus was an amazing musician. Jesus was one of those amazing drummers, too. You get that? <laughs> um, so, when Jesus made those melodies, you know, he knew what he was doing, right? He knew what he was doing. He's getting that hook in us. Of, this beauty, of the beauty of the treasures of who he is. That we can be unlocked in our hearts and our minds through music. You know, as somebody, I, sorry, I don't have the quote, but I used to teach harp and bowl seminars with Ryhop, and I used to just quote this all the time. I forget who said it, so forgive me. It's like, um, you know, let the nations make the rules, but I will make the melodies of the generation, something like that. Like 
I was quoted wrong, but something like that. So I will make the millions of generations. Basically, how much can you influence the music? How much do you think music influences the culture today? Let me ask that question. Seriously. How much does music influence culture today? Is that, is that by accident? Was that the power in music by accident? Is something discovered by the devil so he's doing it? Come on. The, the, the Lord, the God, the Father of glory. He knew what he's doing. The power of music... The power of the sound that we can release, the enthronement that we can do, that we set him enthroned in this place by lifting his name, singing out his name, but saying, yes, God, you are good. You're amazing. Even when we don't feel it, but I guarantee you eventually you will feel it. We step out in faith, and you know it talks about the faith comes by hearing. That's not just hearing amazing teachings by Pastor Rifle, you know? You can hear yourself. Sing it out loud. Say it out loud. And you hear yourself praying. You're like, wow, is that me? You know, like, wow, that is you. And listen to your prayers. The Spirit prays through you. And that ignites faith inside of you. That you ignites the hope, the kingdom, and joy inside of you. That we can live it out that way. I mean, seriously, go do laundry. Can't get it up. Can't do your little laundry thing. And, you know, and so, like, it brings the joy and the hope and life in what you're doing. I do laundry. I do. Sometimes. Come on. Whatever. I do other things. <laughs> Alright, I have been all over the place. Alright, yeah, cool. Okay, we'll go back to this. Okay, when it talks about, and you who are enthroned in the praises of Israel, that praises. You know, did you know there's seven different words for praise? Probably a lot of you know that already. So in this instance, this is tequila. Not tequila. Tequila. This is to sing too loud. A spontaneous new song. Singing for, from a melody in your heart by adding words to it. You can, get a, you can get a melody in your heart and still not have words. Did you know that? You can add words, put whatever you want to it, right? You talk about Jesus and who he is, his beauty and... So this spontaneous new song, singing from a melody in your heart by adding words to it. This transfers to a special kind of singing, into a singing unprepared, unrehearsed songs, bringing tremendous unity in the body of Christ. Singing straight to God can move into Tehillah anytime. It is the praise that God inhabits, sits enthroned on. God manifests himself in the midst of exuberant singing. Seriously, man. I want an awakened heart. I don't know about you. I don't want a dead heart. I don't want to just live life getting by. Let me tell you right now, that's not the life Jesus bought for you. That's not what he went to die for. Of just getting by. I mean, I'm, you know, I've got my issues, got my problems, so I'm just going to do my job. Yeah. You know. You know, I'm serious. Like, it's just like, I get there. I get this bogged down thing. I confess. You know, like, and it's like Jesus wake me up on the inside. That this is more. There's more to life than this. It's not my boss's fault. You know, like, stop blaming other people. You know, like take ownership for the the atmosphere that we bring with us. You know, seriously, take responsibility for the atmosphere. It's not somebody else bogging you down. You have responsibilities for the life that you can live. 
how much you can step out and live in it. It's up to you. Because it's there. It's available. That million-dollar check is waiting for you to cash it. But you have to cash it. It's up to you. It's your choice. He's not going to make you cash it. Right? So we can enthrone Jesus in our atmospheres around us. We can affect our own hearts. But just put the Word of God before us. You can put on, you know, some music if you want to. It helps. I like to do it. And then just sing out the words. And sing them out. God, you're good. And your love endures forever. So today, that means today. Through these circumstances, your goodness endures. Your goodness didn't stop and get, didn't get this speed bump because something happened in my life. Oh, man. So much happened this morning. You have no idea getting to church and things that happen at church and all this stuff. Um, but man, the Lord brought to my memory is, is Psalms 2, 4. Talking about God. He who sits in heavens, who, who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Because previously, verses 1, 2, and 3 were talking about the nations raging against each other, planning and scheming to make a war against the Jesus. You know, really this is the end times kind of a psalm. You know, the nations coming together to fight Jesus, and they're going to come and scheme and do all these bad things, planning. And, and this is the picture of God in verse 4. Like, he just sits back, enthroned, and laughs. So like, come on. I think it laughs for many reasons. I think it laughs for how ridiculous we can be. How ridiculous we can be. And then I, also, I think he also laughs because, you know, how much we could have, actually. We're settling for the lesser. Like, come on. Don't you know, buddy? Don't you know, my son? Don't you know, my daughter? How much better, how much better the wine is of my life, who I am, than the wine of this world? So I'm out of time. So um, seriously, like, if you didn't hear my message, but you heard the compelled by love thing, I don't know about you, I was wrecked. And stuff like that is like, can wreck a city people's lives. People like Heidi Baker, serious. Somebody that's entered into the life that's available has laid down her life in transforming a nation, a world. How many people she has affected? I'm serious. Heidi Baker, this lady, this woman, this amazing woman who's laid down her life for her friends, truly has, and loves much. It's amazing, compelling, truly compelled. So um, as we end today, uh, maybe we'll have part two some other day. Um, but anyways, oh yeah, 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 at least you want to do some worship. Uh, tomorrow night we will you have an opportunity to enthrone Jesus in the praises of Harvest Renewal. Because tomorrow is 6.30 to 8, we are doing the prayer meeting here. And it's very, you know, raw and unplugged. We have guitars and we just kind of sing, pray intercede, a love on Jesus, and throne Jesus in, the, in our praises, and our prayers, in this church, in this city, to come. And also, Tuesday nights, I don't know if I'm there is Tuesday nights school of ministry here, but it's not the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry yet. So there's prayer happening on Tuesday nights, teaching on prayer, prayer happening, soaking, all that stuff too. So there's opportunities to live this out every day. I encourage you as we um, do worship here in this house, you know, it's my desire that you know, I have these things in my head. It's my desire to hit a home run. And to hit a home run in this church is to really fully partner with Holy Spirit in meetings. Not just go through songs. My desire is to do songs and to 
uh, tap into songs, worship songs that I can personally enter into with and to draw others into it. But that's not my full goal. My full goal is in worship times is that we tap into what God is doing in the moment. Just like this, this morning at the, at the last five, ten minutes of worship, there was a sweetness about what was happening. There was a spontaneous, everybody, I know you felt it. It was like, wow, we're not singing this song again. We actually entered into breathing in his presence and breathing it back to him with melodies and with songs. It was amazing moments. And to me, when we get to those moments, that's a home run. And I hate it when we don't hit a home run. I'm just like, wow, it was good. It was still worship to Jesus, but that was like second base. You know, it was good, but not a home run. I love home runs. I know about you. There's so much more than just coming to church. I know you know that. I'm just saying it again. There's so much more. and that we, But it's up to us. It's up to us if we're going to enter into it. It's up to us the atmosphere that we bring with us. We put it here. Yes, this is a place where you can come and drink. If you're weary and brokenhearted, this is a place to come and get and buy with no money because he's here. He's going to pour it out with you and heal your heart and heal your mind and bring peace upon you. But that's the expectation, right? What do you expect when you get here? What do you expect to hope to bring? What do you expect and hope to give? What is it, you know, JFK, it's not what your nation could do for you. It's what you can do for your nation. But seriously, what we can do, the power that's available to those who believe, whether you feel strong or weak, it doesn't matter. He didn't say if you are full up or if you had a good day. He said it's just available. It's there. So tap into it. Walk into it. So stand with me as we close. And I'll invite you, you know, to come. Um... You know, we do all through time, so to speak, ministry time, whatever you want to call it, at the end of services. For the sake of those who you come and get refreshed, come and get before Jesus, whether you have somebody pray for you or not, it doesn't matter. There is people to pray with you, to agree with you in victory and pray for you, but there's also a place to come and sit before Jesus and get refreshed. So, um, Jesus, we just thank you for this day, God. We thank you, the God that has bought life and life to the fullness for us. You are the God that has so much joy and so much hope wrapped up in you that it's so hard to comprehend and understand because you are the holy, amazing one. And there's no no ending to who you are. There's no end to who you are, Jesus. And that you thank you for drawing us in to search you out for the more. So God, I pray for everybody here to enter into the more, to, to take the opportunities every day, even this fast, even during this fast, to really lay a hold of. God, we need you and I want you. There's so much more of you that we haven't tapped into and we want to do that. We want to dive into the depths of the ocean of your love. That you would transform us and captivate us, awaken us again. Awaken us to love, that we can live out of place to love, that just living can get by. So come, Holy Spirit. So I'm going to bless you if you need to go. You're blessed to go and be with Jesus and have your amazing day on Sunday.